All right. Hello. Welcome. No. Ah. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Tim Spence is, uh, doesn't like my coffin. Uh, I apologize for my voice. I am sick. Um, so it's going to be a little nasally. I'm going to be coughing. I'm going to try to turn my mic off when I cough. But, you know, sometimes it's going to have to happen. I wasn't looking questionably at you. I was looking questionably at Matt immediately denying the intro happening. Oh, well, Matt always wants to screw up the intros. It's true. With me today, Tim Spence. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's Friday. We got to be pumped. It's Friday night. <clears throat> A little pumped, I guess. You sound. Yeah, you sound pumped. You yeah, sound you, sound, pumped. you sound in, in perfect health and pumped. <laughs> moderately pumped. <laughs> Capital P pumped. Yeah. Please clap for my moderately pumpedness. Please clap. Uh, Matt Lawrence, you're also here with us. I am. And Adriano has perished. He's dead. He yeah. didn't. You got to stop saying that. Yeah, you know, Ryan. You know that scene in the in the boys season one, episode one? No. Where his girlfriend gets like destroyed, but that the guy runs really fast. Maybe like a minute into the show. Yeah. 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 That's what happened to Adriano. He just sort of exploded. No, a guy ran really fast into him. Okay. And Adriano obliterated. He exploded. I don't know if we would define that as exploding. Okay. There's there's words that have meaning, right? Reduced isn't, to atoms. Isn't an explosion a certain type of thing? And not all explosions are explosions. I would describe it in like an eyewitness testimony if I was there. If I saw <laughs> yes, somebody yeah, yeah. ran through like the person in in the boys, like literally physically like ran through them and they detonated. I would say that they were detonated or they exploded. Yeah, that's that's how I what my eyewitness testimony would say. I wouldn't be like, well, I'm not sure if it's exploded exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so here. okay, so, yeah, here's the normal definition. A violent and destructive shattering or blowing apart of something as caused by a bomb. So I guess that would fit the description, a shattering, blowing apart. But the technical definition is a violent expansion in which energy is transmitted outward as a shockwave. That is the technical definition of explosion. And that's why if you see like a, a a ball of gas go up in flame, that's not an explosion. It's not creating a shockwave, right? You know what I'm saying? What do you call that? Uh, I don't know the name. Oh, look, it's a gaseous reaction. A sudden and dramatic separation. Of major <laughs> components. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, the big news for the week, obviously, is Skull and Bones, the band. Oh, oh. No, but we might not actually be talking a lot about the Ubisoft showcase, even though there was a couple of things in there that I, I enjoyed. Um, but mostly it's going to be the Xbox showcase and obviously Starfield. We'll kind of just go through the showcase. I think we all watched it this time, right? Yep. I watched them both, actually. Yes. Yep, so we'll have some both. things to say. So why don't we just hop right in, I guess. Um, this is um, from Polygon, giving us a little breakdown and tracking it. And I believe this is in order, which was nice. I think last time we had it all just in order of popularity. <laughs> I think it was from IGN. Um, but yeah, give us your overall impressions of the uh, Bethesda showcase. Or sorry, the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Not so much the Starfield one. I just want to know what you guys think about the main line kind of showcase they had. 
overall, I think it was a pretty good show. Like, um, it's clear they're really trying to focus on like their side projects right now. I wouldn't say there's anything particularly like major that Microsoft is ready to show off yet, aside from Starfield. Like, they're really hoping Starfield's going to carry them for a while. I think. Um, but it's good to see that they're like investing in in smaller projects right now too. Man, what do you think? I think the I think the big thing for me was that uh, they they like everything they showed there. Or at least I think it was absolutely everything that they showed there is going to be day one on Game Pass, which is I mean pretty wild considering the 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 titles we saw. Like we saw Fable, we saw Starfield, we saw. Uh, actually, is that Star Wars game? Star Wars Outlaw? Is that day one Game Pass? I don't recall, but I don't think so. I didn't see anything afterwards going like, play it day one on Game Pass. Okay, that would before. be insane though. Holy that would cow. be insane, but like I guess the big titles that stood out to me that are day one Game Pass are Avowed, which is obviously Obsidian. Uh, Payday 3 is um, your, again, your Starfield, your Fables, and then there was a whole bunch more. So, pretty good. Yeah, basically, if they can fill like a showcase with a lot of their first party titles, like they're all going to be day one on Game Pass, right? It makes it pretty exciting just having Game Pass and being like, well, I guess I own that game already. Not own, but you know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm thinking for Starfield. Like, I I don't know if I would have been able to justify buying it, but if it's on Game Pass. So you're not at that interest level yet for, for Starfield to to buy it? I think it'll depend on what else i'm playing at the time when it comes out in september there might not be much else so maybe at that point i would be able to justify it but it's doubly nice knowing that i'll just be able to be like oh i've got game pass i don't have to buy it you know like i haven't even looked at any of the pre-orders or anything because i'm like i don't need to i can just play it with game pass what if nintendo swooped in in september and was like breath of the wild 3 that'd be insane yeah (laughs) and then i or or tears of the kingdom 3 it's actually called Tears. That's the subtitle. It's it's actually Tears this time, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I would buy that one, and I would still <laughs> just download Set Starfield for free on Game Pass. Yeah. And this time at twenty four frames per second, just to just to make people confused as to what's going on here. Wait, which one's at twenty four FPS? <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, because yeah, like, so the, is it the film screen tearing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, awful. <laughs> I'm surprised to hear you say that though, Tim. Like, I, I, you and I were talking, and you said you were like at like five percent hype. Mm-hmm. Then you watch Starfield Direct. Then you're at eighty five percent hype. So I'm surprised that eighty five is not enough for you to justify no, I'm, justify I'm, I'm purchasing. That, like, it. I don't, I don't even have to think about buying it because oh, I know right. that it's on Game Pass. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, like you just you're just out. It's sort of like whatever. Like I'll preload and or download or whatever it when it when it's when it's available because I already have it. Yeah, exactly. Like I before watching the showcase, I even for free, I I wouldn't have downloaded it. I don't think, but now I will. Damn. All right. I mean, hey, that's how that's basically what I was with the uh, Forza Horizon. I would I would never buy a Forza game. I don't like racing games, and so but yeah, got, people were like giving it tens. You know, people were really talking it up, and I played it, and it was fun. Would have never done that if I didn't have Game Pass. <clears throat> um, but let's... Uh, we'll start off with the the very first thing they showed off, which was Fable. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this. Um, I guess this was in-engine, right? Mm. A lot of people talked about how good it looked. 
Somebody uh, said in engine for some of the scenes that were zoomed in on the person because it featured a giant mm-hmm. and then sort of a person like a regular sized person like you'd see in another fable game. And uh, I think the one the, the some of the scenes that were zoomed in, some people were saying was in engine. But well, I would say it's a bit of a like it definitely ain't gameplay. Let's say that. Well, I the, the sense I got from watching it was that when they were showing the guy who looked like he was sitting down for like a, an interview and being filmed. The guy from uh, IT Crowd, right? Mm-hmm. That that did not look like it was in-game gameplay. No. But once he starts fighting the the the, the woman in it, then it kind of looked more like gameplay. Yeah. I think it might just but be like still the camera good. angles, though. Like, it could have still just been CG made to look like gameplay. Right. But uh, you guys are the Fable fans, right? I, I have only played the worst one. I played Fable 3. <laughs> oh. uh, so tell me what you guys are thinking. What are you hoping for, Tim? I I will say, I think it's pretty, the, the common sentiment is that I it is not what I thought a Fable announcement trailer teaser thing would look like. I guess it's not announcement, but like story trailer, maybe content trailer um, would be. They've definitely got that sort of like cheeky comedy vibe going which is like you know reassuring to see um given that it's not lionhead that's making it but they like at first i was watching it and i was like this isn't this isn't fable this i I have no idea what this is you know and then they started making mentions of like heroes and achieving feats and stuff like that and i was like okay no yeah this could be fable and they're they clearly seem to be kind of leaning into the um, like literally the name of the series, which is Fable. Like they're leaning into fables. It's like a Jack and the Beanstalk kind of thing. He's the giant living in the castle at the top of the beanstalk that the the, the character is uh, that climbed and then got into the castle. And then sort of at the end of that little uh, trailer is sort of running around trying to dodge the attacks while he's trying to like, you know, smack them with his hand and grab them and all this stuff. So um, it's it's not what I thought it would be but it makes sense and i'm interested to see what sort of direction the actual like game and and gameplay um becomes because there are a million and one fantasy rpgs out there and fable is a pretty iconic one in that it was kind of one of the first modern-ish style fantasy rpgs where you could make decisions and they would actually change things in the game um so it'll be interesting to see how the like modern take on that is now if it's going to stay the same or if it's going to be like more of a more of a narrative experience because it's pretty standard right like the first game was you're a young boy who lives in a small town that gets raided by bandits and then your family's killed and your sister's like dead or kidnapped you don't know and then you get whisked away by some magical man to join a a guild and become a hero and then you go to seek vengeance on the bandits that destroyed your town and then meanwhile you end up like saving the world along the way kind of thing so pretty like bog standard uh hero fantasy story um but the the humor is what sells it right like the the side characters and the jokes and and all this stuff is what makes fable fable so to have that sense of humor um, while addressing a pretty like typical story was what those games used to be. 
three was kind of bad for that. I felt it seemed to take itself a lot more seriously than the previous two games had. So I would be interested to see uh, which direction this entry goes. If it's trying to be more uh, akin to like a serious RPG with just some goofy moments, or if it's literally going to be like focusing on fairy tales, fables, and, uh, and then the heroes along the way that are, maybe they're part of the heroes guild still and they do things for people and are kind of mercenary-esque um or if it's just fully silly goofy who can tell you you really you really can't tell what what the game is going to be about from this uh trailer so to me it didn't look like fable but it felt like fable if that makes sense the trailer I actually got a different impression. I, I thought it wasn't Fable at first. I thought it was the Bard's Tale, the action RPG one. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm just so, I guess it's been so long since since Fable that I'm so used to like the way it looks in my head that I just never put two and two together, even though I was expecting Fable to be there. I just never put all the stupid jokes and the hero and all that together for some reason until they finally announced it. There was something really interesting with three as well that I that I was thinking of when you were talking to him is that Fable three, like you were saying, is more serious. And I also think that they went like I do agree with this being more serious, but I also think they went too hard into trying to revolutionize mechanics that didn't need to be revolutionized. They tried to revolutionize the inventory screen with that like castle yeah. that you would teleport into. Yeah. Then they then they were like, oh, in Fable, you can affect the world by being a part of the world because you're a famous person. You can, you know, do an action where you help an apple farmer when they're just getting started. And then when you come back years later in the story, like the apple farm is super nice. Or if you don't help them, there's no apple farm because it's failed and it's just nature there. Things like that. I feel like they took those things from Fable 2 is the examples that I just used. And they thought, oh, well, you can affect the world in in fable games well why not have it so that you're the king or queen of this world and you make the decisions and it just became less about being fable and more of a oh well people like this mechanic let's just take that and go you know 10x or let's go way out left field with it and it just didn't it didn't play well with me anyway it becomes a bit of a like management sim in certain ways which is like fine as a side feature but it felt like it was sort of the core of the game and like you say, like instead of having inventory systems and menus and stuff, they were like, oh, what if it was just another part of the world that you explore? But that's super tedious when you have like when you're when you're just trying to do normal menuing and just like swap out, you know, equipment or whatever. And I think they tried to like sort of patch a problem that they made for themselves by giving you like the weapons that become super like upgraded the more you use them like you don't get new weapons you kind of have a weapon and then it evolves with you as you make decisions for your character instead of your character being the one who like gets the big horns if you're evil or the halo if you're good and then you know get the butterflies around you if you're attractive and and stuff like that um which is an interesting concept but it's like i feel like that came about because they were like oh we don't want people to have to like do a bunch of menuing because it's really slow to do that because they have to walk through the castle every time so we'll just give them a weapon that they never have to unequip and uh and then they can just uh carry that weapon with them through the entire game which that weapon system itself is interesting but i think it's a product of a problem that they made for themselves whereas with menuing 
you should just have it be lists and menus because it's way more efficient that way. There's a reason that menus are menus. Imagine if civilization for every menu had like, you had to go through a gameplay like segment to like make you, a decision. You enter in your own parliament. Like you have to yeah. cinematic into your you, parliament you and you're sitting it, there. And... Yep, you have to do a quick time event. You have to hit, you have to hit one, two, three or four to make decisions <laughs> in parliament. You have to have people vote on them oh. every time. You have to like grease people's palms and like, lobby people to like make get decisions to push through if, if most people are against what you want but you really want it right now right there and now so you have to like pay people to to like bribe them and stuff it's a it, it's it's a non it didn't have to be an issue and they made it an issue and there, uh, there was a there was an issue in there too actually just to re- mention really brief is i remember distinctly that in fable 2 you could uh, use like a shovel and your dog would like sniff things out and you could you know, dig things up and it would be anything from a jam, a gun or like a condom, like legitimately it could be anything. Yeah. Yep. And you had an inventory screen to look, take a look at all that. And I remember I was playing with you actually, we were playing co-op fable three and I don't think we dug anything up, but we, we picked something up and I didn't know how many of that item I had. And I was like, Oh, like I'm curious, like how many candles or whatever it was that I had. And you were like, Oh, you can't, you can't check that. Like you just have to go and like, see, see if you have enough candles for this objective or whatever the heck it was. And I was like, what? Like, this is like an unmarked objective. Why can't I just go in my inventory and take a look at how many candles I have? And you're like, no, oh, you can't do that. Cause there's no, there's no inventory screen. There's just this castle. Like what an invented problem. So w- with that being said, I hope that f- this new fable doesn't, <laughs> like I hope it tries to introduce recapture the problems. old yeah. yeah like don't introduce new problems where we want we want to have no HUD and we want you to just like live as the hero like don't think of it that way just make a like a funny RPG yeah it, like the the reason that the Lionhead games like the Peter Molyneux games stand out so much is because genuinely he was a very like a think outside the box kind of game developer and that did lead to some really interesting ideas for the Fable series specifically um and some some of them are hits and some of them are misses but overall i would say it's like a pretty successful series it's very iconic like there's nothing like fable out there no yeah and so i would hope that they would continue to have that sort of uh spirit going forward is like really try to break the mold with the game don't do what other rpgs do um but at the same time like there is value in the if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing like you can you can be different without completely reinventing the wheel and because you know like we say there's a reason that things are kind of standardized it's because they work or they're efficient for menus and things like that so just take what's good take what's established if you have some ideas or a different way to like you know like think outside the box or twist the twist the the, the sort of concept on, on its head um you can do that but don't do it in a way that's super unfamiliar for the player or unfun or introduces new tedium just just make a fun game make it funny that's all people want from fable you know uh what happened to peter molyneux that's a good question actually went independent i think i'm just reading up on his game that he announced back in like forever ago called goddess do you remember that Yep. Oh, was it the, the cube game? Remember the cube game on uh, well, the, the cube, app store? <clears throat> the cube led to Goddess. Yeah, it was a different I'm thing. Just, I'm just reading on his wiki here. It says the most recent update to Goddess was uh, April 2nd, 2015. Yeah. And uh, its Steam community was May 13th, 2016. Despite many years without update or communication with 22 cans, the game is available for purchase. Then it says <clears throat> in the December 2021 interview, 
Molyneux stated that we are announcing our first new set of features for Goddess almost two years uh, after in almost two years, and that should be coming up for Christmas. It was not released before or after Christmas time frame, and nothing has been heard of <laughs> about the update since the interview. What hmm. the hell happened? He is famous for promising things and not delivering, though. So <clears throat> if I was interviewing Molyneux, I would take absolutely everything he said with a grain of salt. How, how are these people making money? What's, what's he doing? He's maybe, just it's, maybe it's done. Like maybe it's not actually being made. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. He's just living off his reputation at this point. I think. Like, not that I think he's a scumbag who's going to like take the money and run kind of thing. I think genuinely he's just very eccentric, and yeah, he just kind of is doing what he wants to do. And if that's make a game, then he'll make a game. And if it's not, then he'll just do whatever. You know. He kind of seems like a creative that didn't talk to the dev team sometimes. And then when he goes to the dev team, the realist, like the realism kind of sets in and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. You said you could do this, this, this and the fable. And like, that's going to take three months. We can't have that time. We can't push the deadline. Like, what the hell are you saying? And then it just sort of doesn't get done. And he doesn't say anything. He doesn't walk it back or anything. It's like No Man's Sky before No Man's Sky, like that being a very extreme example of promising the world and, and offering nothing. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird. Like Molyneux kind of gets like a, a pass. Cause like he would promise things for fable two. Like he was like, Oh, we have fable one. We wanted to do this, this, and this, and we're definitely doing it for, for fable two. And then it just wasn't in fable two. And then <laughs> yeah. he, he never commented on that. Oh man. I remember it was so funny. Cause he had, he had that cube game, right? Where it was like, whoever gets to the center of this cube, you know, wins something. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, No Man's Sky came out and he's like, there's something at the middle of the galaxy and everyone's like, it's Peter Molyneux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Peter Molyneux is at the center of the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next game here uh, that got announced. Uh, this one was completely a CG trailer as far as I could tell. Unless it was, again, it's hard to tell what's, what's gameplay and what's not anymore. Um, South of Midnight. This is from Compulsion Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're the they're the people who made uh, We Happy Few, and they just saw here they made Contrast. Remember Contrast? Like, that was like the first like I think PS Plus game on uh, PS4 or something like that. I don't know why that's stuck in my head, but it's random. I thought the first game was uh, Rezo Gun. That was on there too. Yeah, I don't but... remember. Oh, I know. I do remember. This was like a. Uh, kind of claymation, right? And the person's playing a banjo on a dock. Uh, yeah, this yep. definitely looked like they lowered the frame rate on it too. Maybe they took it down to twenty four, or maybe less, to make it look like it was claymation. It, I don't know. It's yeah, it's supposed to be like that. That um, uh, what's the word? But yeah, claymation, like um, frame by frame type. Yeah, almost hand crafted oh, stop, stop motion. Stop motion. There he is. Yeah, look looked awesome. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting uh, world. Uh, the characters. I mean, immediately you're just in, you're hooked by the characters. I want to know more about the giant guy playing the playing the <laughs> a lot banjo, of giants. You know? They were saying, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was the theme was giant people. Yeah, this uh, this time, no idea what the game is going to be like though. Yeah, and I, I remember your famous uh, 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 phrase there, Tim. It's not mine, play, but no I live hype. by it. You live by it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, definitely set a cool tone, which in this uh, Polygon article they, they described as macabre. Someone told me, and I don't know if this is the game, but someone told me that one of the games from this conference, and I thought I understood like what most of the directions of all the games were other than this one, 
Someone said this one's like Monster Hunter. I don't know if that's true. I'm less interested if that's the case. I saw that like on a random comment. That's a total random thing. But um, they could have even been referring to another game. I'm not 100%. (laughs) But like, if true, like that's not the impression I got. Well, there was a monster that showed up at the end. There was a monster that showed up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I guess it is possible. The giant guitar man seemed unfazed by the monster. He did. Almost like he either wasn't threatened by it or he called it there. Maybe that's like the song he was playing was summoning it. He's a ghost and he's not actually there. Or he's a god, something like that. Yeah, a spirit. Uh, Next up here was my game of the show. Star Wars Outlaws finally revealed. This was um, Ubisoft Massive's um, game. Now, Adriano, we kind of credited him with conjuring this because he said he wanted a division like Star Wars game. The division was made by Massive. And this is not like the division at all. (laughs) This was actually a surprise that we saw this because Massive is working on Avatar. Yeah. uh, The the Avatar game, not the movies, to be clear. And um, that is a big game. Like, no doubt. And Mm -hmm. as far as I know, Massive in the past has only worked on a singular game, like Division or then Division 2. And then I'm sure there's a little bit of crossover in there where they're supporting the Division 1 while they're making the Division 2, of course. But in general, not too big massive games as far as i am as far as i'm aware um so i'm surprised that this game was is, is, is as far along as it is because we didn't get any uh serious gameplay reveal i don't think actually we got a gameplay reveal i think this was just a trailer at the at the xbox showcase but we did get a very large amount of gameplay and information from the ubisoft forward the next day so like this is more than likely quite far along I want to know how they got handed two massive franchises. I think the division is still impressive. Like whether or not you agree with the game mechanics, like I think that the division itself looks really good. Like New York, but or I guess kind of post-apocalyptic New York. Um, it looks and feels like post-apocalyptic New York. Like yeah, just running around nice. the city, even the first one is super nice. Like the environment's super well laid out and stuff. So there's a good density a- to it. Yeah, like just as a portfolio piece, it ran really well, at least in my opinion, on the PS4. Launch day PS4, no problems with the first game, no problems with the second game for performance. Um, like I, I don't know. I'm I was always impressed by the division. I was always cool with just kind of walking around and, and exploring the city, even if I've been in a place a million times, because you know it is an RPG like that. So like an MMO kind of. So it uh, you constantly yeah, do the same activities and it never bothered me because the environment was so well put together. So just as a portfolio piece alone, I'm sure somebody like James Cameron was like, holy crap, like you could make, you know, with the uh, experience you have making cool worlds, you could make Pandora. And the same with the Star Wars, where it's like, whoa, like Division's kind of sci fi ish, kind of like a little bit um, kind of like near future tech. And so it's like, whoa, like you could do Star Wars. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that played a part in it. Although I guess modern tech now, because like <laughs> drone warfare is real, you know. Yeah. And they're like, I remember drones being a big part of that first game. <clears throat> I guess the big thing that that the division it has that's future is they have like the holographic map that's supposed to open, although it kind of does and doesn't do the performance. I know they cut that feature back, but there is like that map that opens up that's kind of hol- that's supposed to be holographic and show you where you are and where you're supposed to go. And then there's also the um, 
the echoes where it like remakes the scene where you are. Like you're like uh, like a crime scene investigator can kind of go in there and be like, what what happened here? And it shows this person shooting this person and those type of things. Like th- that that we don't have that yet. Oftentimes, science fiction does predict the future, but just not in the direct way we think it will. But that kind of stuff, recreating a scene and like hearing dialogue, I just don't think will ever be possible. So funny enough, you say that the thing that I wonder if if what's going to happen is, is I don't think we'll be able to recreate the scene, like not not one to one. But I wouldn't be surprised if we have something where you get a whole bunch of evidence, like crime scene investigators get a bunch of evidence. They put it into a generative AI. They, you feed it, you know, the suspects, all the information on the case and everything else. And then it generates like several potential things that may have happened in that room. Like, Oh, there's an indent in this cushion. It's about this person's face size. Okay. This person was pushed onto the couch while this other person was stabbed or whatever. And it's not going to be like an actual recording where it somehow looks into the past and then recreates it. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a generative AI thing, total like assumption, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Star Wars outlaws features a new protagonist. Uh, in a world of run with crime syndicates, neither Jedi nor Sith, she's living in the gray world of smugglers and thieves. Um, and her character name is Kate Vess, brand new character. It's kind of exciting not having a Jedi. I think we're kind of um, fatigued on on the whole Jedi versus Sith thing. So it's kind of nice having this other story, you know, take place where you're unlikely to see uh, a lot, if like any Jedi or Sith. This takes place between uh, Empire Strikes Back and uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. So kind of a cool time period that's not too heavily explored, actually, in the new canon. So that's kind of fun. Can can she use a lightsaber? Is, is this is this a likely scenario? Is it like a legendary weapon for her or something? Unless she finds it, like a, a finds a lightsaber somewhere. Like normal people can use lightsabers. It's just that Jedi are proficient in them, you know. But can she? I'm not too familiar with Star Wars lore, so like, can she go buy one? Like, you know what I mean? Is this is this a thing where she could just be like, like you, the player, can be like, I would like to use a lightsaber. I don't think that's going to be in this game, no. But if you're talking about the world, yes, technically you could buy a lightsaber on the black market. Okay, that does happen from say, time right? to like, time. If she's a smuggler, then she'll be in with like the the. Criminal underworld potentially, yeah. right? Where you could you could yeah. source anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I did I did kind of want a um, division like game, particularly something that we could all play or, or, or like 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 the division. Um, but I'll take a single player Star Wars game any day. So this is great. Um, up next, um, I don't know if you want me to skip some of these. Like, does anyone have an opinion on 33 Immortals? Matt, I think you were excited for that or something. I don't remember what it is. Okay, uh, payday three. <laughs> It looked like payday too. It's been in development for a long time though, uh, which is a little unfortunate. I think it make it look makes it look a little dated. It's obviously not the biggest dev either. Um, yeah, and you're, not going, you're not going to payday for the graphics. You're going for the gameplay, really, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, especially <laughs> since like I like I I like payday enough to the point where like I'm playing like like Rock A, like Crime Boss, like Streets of Rock A City or whatever it is. So <laughs> yeah, um, that game doesn't look that bad. The game has no business being as good as it is, even though it does definitely have problems. Like, like Crime Boss is definitely a bit 
it's a solid B tier game. Yeah, it's like it's a bit too good for what I expected it to be. But I mean, <laughs> I thought it was going to be ridiculous and it is fucking ridiculous. So to be fair, they kind of did copy the payday kind of whole deal. Well, they're they the publisher or the developer or something were related at some point. Like one of them published the first game or like the first payday or something. I don't remember now exactly what the relationship was. And then this is this is what's come out of it, like Crime Boss. But payday three, like going back to the new the new thing. I mean, I think it looks cool. Uh, I hope there's I don't know about you, Tim, because you and I played payday two quite a bit, actually. And back in the day, back in the day, like payday two is fucking old now. And so I hope that we get like like a. I said this in the other in in the first two games, like first one and the second one is like a proper stealth system where I don't want something to be exactly like Assassin's Creed where everything's super obvious, you know, I can whistle and get this person come around the corner and stuff. But I do want there to be more indicators as to what the hell's going on, because I feel like a lot of our heists get screwed up, but it's because we're not sure if we're seen or not or we're not sure if like. Hey, can I like quickly peek around here? Can that camera see that really strict angle? Maybe that's part of the challenge of payday, but I would like an indicator at least so I can be like, Jesus, and like snap back in the cover and be like, okay, that door is covered. Kind of like what a more modern game would have in many uh, cases, kind of like the, you know, the eyeball symbol will fill up as orange or yellow, and then it will fill up to red saying, hey, there he is. I wouldn't mind just something like that, even if it was an option in the earlier difficulties, so you can kind of get more familiar with the game. Um, but I'm I, I'm looking forward to it. Like I'm, I'll definitely play Payday Three, def- and it's on Game Pass Day One, so done deal. Uh, Avowed is interesting. Let's talk a bit about Avowed. Um, Tim, you really like um, Fallout New Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Made by Obsidian. Um, they're they are apparently uh, RPG legends. Um, so a lot of people were excited that they were doing another fantasy RPG with the valid. Uh, what do you think of this? Um, I don't remember the major points from the trailer and stuff. Um, it kind of felt small to me. Like, I don't know if that would jog your memory at all, Tim. It kind of felt more like, uh, the outer worlds. It didn't feel as grand oh, as yeah, something yeah. like, like, like a Starfield, or it didn't feel as grand as that for, for lack of a better way to say it. It, yeah, I know. Um, they sort of had that like kind of mermaidish looking guy narrating the whole thing. It reminded me at first. I thought that it was like um, Might and Magic, the old Might and Magic games. Oh yeah, yep, like Dark Messiah. Yeah, because it looks very like it's first person. It's very swords and sorcery type thing. Um, like you mentioned, Ryan, very like typical high fantasy RPG. Um, it looks graphically like I, I can't remember what it, what was right before it, but when it was Star Wars, but I saw it and it looked I was like, well, this is possibly the most generic looking fantasy thing I've seen in a long time. Not that I'm not a big fan of Obsidian, I just feel like it is just shovelware fantasy RPG. Like there, there's nothing about it that that looks particularly different or interesting it's like the kind of thing that's been done a hundred times before yeah i'm actually less excited after seeing this latest trailer yeah it's it's like i i was watching it and i was like okay this is the palate cleanser between the, the big announcements like this seems like they just want to use it to get it out of the way like i 
I don't know. It seems, uh, yeah, very uh, uninteresting, very generic, kind of bland. They'd have to show more. Like, it would have to have a really compelling story, I think, because it looks like an RPG from the early Xbox 360 days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the graphics look good, but I do get you, what you mean, like the scale of it, right? Because like literally games couldn't be too, too, like games couldn't be too big on the 360, but they've been able to get bigger literally in their settings as like computers and consoles have gotten better. Yeah, just as I like look at screenshots and stuff again. I mean, some of the character models look pretty good. Like that narrator character looks good and some of the the creatures they showed off and stuff. But I mean, the environments, the the first person like sword and spell and stuff. It looks like an early 360 game with ray traced lighting. This you know, like, like, I don't know. You think that do you think that they're going to. Like, is this going to be a game that focuses on the individual stories and stuff that happens or is this. Is this going to be just like you're saying, sort of like the like an old school 360 game? What I mean by that is like we've been playing Baldur's Gate 3. I've been playing Divinity 2. And every time I talk about either one of them, I'm just like, this is like this is fucked. Like there's so much content. There's so many ways to do things. You can, you know, screw up major storylines. People that would make the game, you know, a hundred times easier for you if you allied with them. You can just kill them. You can kill all their friends. You can do whatever. You know, like the really the sky is basically the limit. You can do, you know, hacky things where we've like summoned or like, a, what was it? We like got that big creature on our side and he was like jumping, <laughs> jumping platform to platform to like help us invade some sort of like mushroom kingdom or whatever the hell it was. And it's like, that's, that's like some pretty crazy RPG stuff. And that's kind of what I always thought Obsidian was known for is having like a lot of speech options, a lot of weird little whatever. And so I'm wondering whether they are kind of going after that Larian studios, uh, thing where they're like hey you know let's make these environments really condensed really small but they're going to be dense as fuck with content and dense as dense as fuck with like you know quests and different ways to do them and stuff like that that would be kind of a saving grace for them i think but you are right like it does just look like oh look it's a you know swords and spells and maybe some dragons and (laughs) like a really kind of medieval times fantasy game yeah this is something I didn't know, though. It's apparently set in Eora, which is where the popular Pillars of Eternity series takes place. Oh. So I didn't know it was part of a existing franchise. I didn't know That's that. interesting. I never played Pillars of Eternity. I know they're considered to be pretty good, like action RPGs or like turn-based RPGs. Something like that. I know it's but, isometric. I don't know what I don't know if yeah. it's turn or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking at images though of Pillars of Eternity, it does look like what a what a um avowed is. Has the same kind of color and design and look to it. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense, you know, given that context. But still not something I was <laughs> hoping for. Yeah, like I love I love fantasy. Like high fantasy is my favorite genre and I love <laughs> RPGs. So I'm definitely the like target demographic for it and I have zero interest in it at all. There, there's nothing about it that seems enticing. Seems too generic. Maybe I'd care more if I was more familiar with the Pillars of Eternity universe, but I'm not. So maybe that's the problem. All right, let's move on. Uh, sea of Thieves got a Monkey Island expansion. <laughs> so that's uh, apparently hmm? is something that the community has been asking for for a long time. According so I find to crazy, I, like I know people love uh, Monkey Island, but. 
how many people love it like <laughs> it's a it's a really old like classic that's what i mean so like, like adventure game are the people who were playing sea of thieves do they know monkey island the majority wouldn't i don't think the only reason that i know it is because of watching a youtube series like 10 years ago where the guy played event like uh mystery of mystery secret monkey island that's uh, everyone and uh being familiar with Guybrush Threepwood, the main character. So it's cool that, to see that he's like a character in Monkey or in uh, Sea of Thieves that mm-hmm. you like, that the characters interact with and stuff. But it's uh, it's just interesting, right? Because it's yeah. it's it's a um a crossover with a really kind of niche game series that's pretty old, but apparently people were clamoring for it, so. It's funny to see. Right. Good for them. <clears throat> uh, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. More got shown off on that game. Uh, this one seemed to focus more on the, the voices in Senua's head. Um, other than that, though, it didn't it didn't show off too much. Right? Have you even played That's the first, yeah. uh, either of you? No, no but they're, they're playing We're this one close to the vest. Like, they're definitely not showing off a lot of it whenever they do show it. Yeah, I don't know. I found, I found this trailer a little less interesting than the previous one because it kind of showed them fighting that giant again, a giant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that first game's so good that I mean, I just you know I'll be there for this one. Um, day one on Game Pass, like a dragon, infinite wealth. <laughs> <clears throat> this one, um, you don't say that name there, Tim. What Ichabon Crane it, 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 or Ichiban Ichiban Crane? Yeah, Ichiban Kasuga. Yeah, he wakes up on a beach naked, and it takes him like half an hour to realize he's naked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if we had a nickel for every time Ichiban woke up in a new location without his clothes, we would have two nickels. Okay, which isn't a lot, <laughs> but it's weird that it's happened twice now. Yeah, it's more than more than you'd have for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, except for that one time. Mm, we don't talk about that though. But anyway, uh, Tim, what do you think of this one? Not much to go on, I guess. Just saying, not much to go on. I'm part of the Yakuza game subreddit, so I've seen some some conversation, some speculation around it, and I talked about it a little bit on stream too because I'm playing uh, Like a Dragon Ishin right now, which is one of the spinoff games from the series. And um, the 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 speculation seems to be that something clearly has happened with the uh, between the events of Like a Like a Dragon. Um, Seven, which is the game that Ichiban was in originally, is the his primary uh, or um, what's the what's the word? His first appearance as a main character in a game, and uh, sometime between the end of that and now this game, he something has happened where he's seemingly washed up on the shore of what people speculate to be like Hawaii. Um, that. That's that's all we got. The fact that it's called Infinite Wealth is interesting because I guess they're saying that like canonically, he like the events of a, of a number of the like side things that you can do in Seven are uh, are canon now. Like they are they are confirmed to as have happened for the character um, because one of the like major uh, side story and mini game things you can do in in seven is to run this like company and uh 
by the end of it, you're just like, you're just swimming in cash. Like he's just got so much money. So maybe there's some sort of like story thing where something happened with the company. Maybe he was away on like a business trip or something. And, uh, and something happened while he was away and now he's wound up penniless and, uh, clothesless and walking around just nude on a beach in front of a bunch of people that are pointing and laughing at his, at his, uh, general crotch area. Um, I like, I like how they did the, uh, the, um, cinematography of the trailer where that's what I love the beginning of the Simpsons movie. There's always something that is covering the crotch. Yeah. Or uh, Austin in, Powers in, in the foreground, or the Austin Powers, yeah. Um, so uh, it was it was it was well done, but yeah, not not a lot to go off of other than the fact that he is on a beach. People are speaking in English. Um, the nearest American soil to Japan is Hawaii, so that's why people are thinking that it's there. Either that, or maybe California. They got some other islands in the uh, in the Pacific, but uh... yeah. A lot of people were saying, like, oh, it's, it's got to be Florida. And I was like, he would have had to go the entire other way around the or planet. Through, or through the Panama Canal. <laughs> or through, <laughs> through the Panama Canal, yeah. Just see this naked Japanese man floating yeah, let him the, through the entirety of, uh, of the <laughs> continental U.S. <laughs> to, to wind up on a beach in Florida. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've announced yeah. it. They've shown nothing, basically. Sounds good. All right. Um, Forza Motorsport looks good as always. I don't know if any of us are Forza fans here. Adriano, oh, even, even he doesn't like it. He, well, nothing doesn't oh, yeah, like it. It's, it's not as, I guess, in but depth as he wants it to be. It's not as intense as he requires yeah. for a simulation yeah. racing game. Uh, Overwatch 2, um, a little bit of a lukewarm reception, I think, on this one, just because of the issues they're going through with uh, <clears throat> things like the PVE being shifted <clears throat> uh and then i guess did they show off starfield this early is this right in my little list here yeah they showed they showed yeah. off starfield and then they they said like don't forget to watch starfield Stay direct tuned. yeah so we'll talk about starfield in a bit here <clears throat> um cyberpunk we got a good look at uh the expansion which is available for pre-order now um Matt, you gotta get caught up. I mean, I'm definitely not gonna do Phantom Liberty right away. There's just no way. Jump in right away. <laughs> There's no chance. Like this, not to mention once the update comes out, my P- my PC is officially no longer officially supported. <laughs> so like, it's just that's over. Like, well, it also comes out 20 days after Starfield, so I'm oh. sure you won't have time for anything else. Oh, yeah, no. it's it's over at that point. Yeah, what's happening, <clears throat> man? It's like movies. You can like watch. You can catch up on movies, but the games are like 40 plus hour experiences. You know that take weeks investments significant yeah. investments especially for big rpgs like that yeah and then they all pile up on top of each other horrible although like with cyberpunk you can play it pretty linearly like you could just go mission to mission to mission just just beat the story and then it's not not that bad suppose uh cities skylines 2 looks pretty incredible you said it was too much freedom. I'm not a man who likes freedom. He likes oppression. Uh, well, no, that's not exactly what <laughs> I'm referring to. But I, I need constraint and I need rules and guidelines. 
Yeah, there was a scene where they were building a highway and they were showing the the highway building mechanics of, you know, uh, entrances and acceleration lanes and all kinds of like bridges and stuff all connecting to this one little interchange. And it had angles and all sorts of stuff all over the UI. And you're just like, this, this is too much. Like, this has gone too far. And I presume you're maybe referring more to like the SimCity approach, which is largely they give you a couple of interchanges to choose from, and then you have to plop one of them. You can't just make your own interchange. But man, they did a good job of selling you a game where you just make a city. Like, holy cow. It looked awesome. But- I'm pretty pumped for it. Like, I'm I'm really curious, because I think the console version of City of Skylines came out quite a bit after the PC game. And I think this one's all releasing at the same time. So I'm pretty curious how this is going to go. Um, coming from SimCity, which is, I mean, all but dead, if not actually dead at this point. Uh, this is, you know, your next best thing. And people really like the first one. I've played the first one a bit and I do. I did enjoy it. So uh, this should be this is sort of like the way I kind of saw it was like uh, City Builders. So like SimCity, like the rebooted one that was online that kind of killed the series, kind of launched close to the time of City Skylines. And that took city building to different areas, like different um, ways of building. City Skylines was a lot more freedom. The other SimCity was less freedom. Uh, but SimCity 4, the previous game, had a lot of, like, for the time, a lot of freedom, build a whole region, those type of things. And so even though, you know, City Skylines gave you a lot of freedom with the roads, and even though SimCity introduced um, multiplayer, they both went sort of cartoony and smaller scale city. The not like crazily, like you're still you're still building a city. You're not building a small town, but it kind of looks like City Skylines Two is reintroducing like building a true metropolis. Because in four, like SimCity Four, uh, which is many people's favorite city building game, it is definitely mine. You could literally build a metropolis across multiple regions. You got to make your own regions. You could terraform. You could just make it all flat, and then just have like an absolutely gargantuan city that that is skyscrapers wall to wall across your whole region. The next city is wall to wall, the next city, the next city. And when you zoom out to your region or your state, let's say you literally just see like a hundred cities and the entire state is a metropolis. You could absolutely do that with SimCity four. And so I don't know if you have any region controls or anything like that, but it seems like some like uh, skylines two is bringing back that, that feeling of scale, at least on the, in the individual city where it's going to feel like, okay, like this is, this is pretty cool because the other SimCity, like the the one that killed the series, the multiplayer one, uh, that one really, like like I said, scaled back. It was like more cartoony and it scaled back this the cities. But that was to allow your you to work cooperatively with other cities. So like Ryan, like you would be the oil city, right? I would be the tourism city. So you wouldn't need tourism. Your workers would try, would would commute to my city to do tourism. But um, obviously, I need tourists. So like we're, you know, we have that kind of relationship there. Yeah. And so that makes it so that both of our cities are smaller because we don't have both those districts. And so I'm kind of looking for more realism and a bigger scale again from a, from a city building game. And hopefully this is it. All right. Um, other than that, other major thing they announced, kind of funny. <clears throat> they talked about the Xbox Series S in carbon black. But they also pitched it as... Like, we're listening to you, the gamer, and you told us you want more storage. So here's a one terabyte Xbox Series S. But it's like, how does that help you if you already have one? 
It's like go buy another three hundred forty nine dollar uh, console. You know, I mean, they do have the memory cards though. Like they there 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 isn't like there's it isn't like there's not an option. No, but that's not what they said in the conference. No, I just found that funny, and that was all. But uh, the Xbox Series S in black does look kind of nice. It does look nice, actually, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, you definitely need one terabyte. Like that's like minimum now, and that's going to be cutting it uh, pretty soon here. I was actually going to ask you guys about that. Um, so obviously, games are big, and uh, obviously, games are big, and like you know, even one terabyte is pushing it because there doesn't need to be room left on the drive for the system to work. Uh, and move, move files around stuff like that. So, so like my question is though, is a lot of the games with, with the exception of call of duty, let's say a lot of the games that are big in storage space are, are big in gameplay. So something like, I'm just going to guess, say, let, let's just say like, let's just say Starfield's 200 gigs, which is a, which is a big game. Um, that, that in itself is a big game. And so do you really need to have it constantly installed when you're, like if you're playing it, you're playing it. Are you? How many other things are you really playing? Like, do you guys keep a lot of stuff installed? Do you guys delete a lot of stuff? Like, how does all? How do you guys handle all that? I used to wait yeah. until I, like, was out of space. Like I was trying to install something new that I wanted to play, and it's like, oh, you're out of space. And then I'd go back and be like, holy crap, why do why do I still have this installed? Okay, get rid mm. of that, 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 that to make room. But now, honestly, like once I'm kind of done with something, I just kind of uninstall it right away. Just so I'm like, I know I'm not going to play this for a while. And if I am, then I'll either make space then or I'll, you know, I'll just install it when I need it kind of thing. Like I almost uninstall things as soon as I'm done with them now, just because like it's it, it also helps with like computing power as well. If your hard drives aren't completely or I guess SSDs, but hard drives aren't completely full up to the to the max. Right. I suppose the Internet like. I, I definitely I had a friend who the, their ISP decided to uh, put a, put in a, a data limit like a, they call it a bandwidth limit, but it's a data limit per month. And so I did like go in there and they were they were always going over their data limit and they refused to upgrade. So I had to put in this system in their house where it would just shut off the Internet when they ran out. And so it was four gigs a day and they would always run out before noon or something like that. Um and so he just couldn't update games, couldn't download games. And so if he went to someone else's house or went to the college or whatever, uh, he would just like download stuff. And he just kept like terabytes and terabytes. He had like a five terabyte hard drive or something ridiculous for the time, just so he could keep all these games installed because he couldn't afford to especially download them. But then some of them, you know, will get a small update. That's fine. But a big update, it's like, well, that is not going to work. Um, so, yeah, that was a... That was an experience. <laughs> All right. That's it for the main Xbox showcase. They then moved on to um, uh, 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 Starfield from Bethesda. And this was a pretty incredible um, showing, I thought. They kept true to the Bethesda style, which is to keep things pretty hush hush until a couple of months before release and then just to bear it all like you can tell that the people who work at Bethesda are very like excited about what they're working on yeah um and they love that they're finally able to like kind of gush about it because they've had to keep it close to the chest for a long time and I do genuinely kind of appreciate the way that they do things because 
when you've got a bunch of hype for something like a year out, by the time it does eventually come around, like unless you're a special kind of product, like, you know, a Zelda game, like there's very few IPs that can keep hype for like multiple years. Yeah. So I kind of prefer that Bethesda just like lets things kind of blow over. They don't talk about stuff for like a really long time. And then once you get to sort of release season, they're like, okay, here's, absolutely everything yeah. here's all the stuff to get excited about here's all these things about the features of the game but it also gives them enough time to sort of like get gauge feedback on stuff like if they released like or um showed off starfield to the extent that they showed it off at the at the sort of showcase that they did and there was one thing that people were like what the fuck this is so stupid this is ridiculous if it's not like a core like game mechanic then it gives them time to sort of like rework things a little bit Right. If it's not too like ingrained in the actual game, um, or if there's like you know, like a problematic representation of a particular character or, or something like that, right? Like things that they can sort of uh, they can band aid fix, a band aid, but like you know, properly uh, address before the actual release of the game. Um, but Starfield seems good. It seems genuinely like what Bethesda would make if they made a space rpg ip yeah um it seems content wise very excessive um i'd like that they sort of showed or uh maybe substantial is is the word that i was looking for looks very substantial i like that they are embracing sort of the silliness of it that is inherent with some sci-fi a lot of the time um bringing back the adoring fan was not something that i thought that they would do but oh my god as soon as i heard that voice the guy running up to the character going by the terror by the terror i can't believe it's you i was just like oh my god he's back um so i gotta find him as soon as possible and uh just um embracing the like knowing that people are going to make such stupid designs for their spaceships and and fully like encouraging that like they made one that looks kind of like optimus prime out of like shipping containers and then and then it just like lifts off the pad that and like flies so away ridiculous and like that's that's what you have to do like you you have to if you take yourself too seriously people are going to be like oh you know you're kind of uh, blah, blah, blah. i'm gonna like i'm gonna poke fun at the devs by doing something stupid in the game that they didn't think was possible they're getting ahead of the memes by saying, we know that people are going to do this. We know that people are going to make dicks out of spaceships immediately. So we may as well just like show them to what extent you can make your dick ship look like. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's, and that's, that's the way to do it. That's how you, you're, you're showing that you are plugged in. You are aware, you are self-conscious or, uh, or you're, you're conscious of what you're, uh, you know your audience and you curry good favor with the community, right? So the only thing that I saw like real complaint about, and it's very apt in my opinion, is that when they touched on the fact that you could romance your followers, the clip they showed to <laughs> serve as an example for that is the the player character and one of the NPCs that you can have on your ship staring kind of off into the distance at like a at like a lookout point not looking at each other they're both just looking off at the horizon and then just sort of without any context the character just goes i don't think i've ever loved anyone the way i love you and there's just like 
it's just so robotic and cold and there's no chemistry and they're not even looking at each other. It's just like, oh, yes, I definitely feel caught up in this romantic moment of these two characters where one is confessing his love to the other. And just like, it's just so it feels like you're shoving like a young adult romance novel down my throat. Like, this is terrible. Who wrote this? Who thought this was a good idea to show this? You know? So, um, aside from that, and that's, uh, there have been a number of articles written that I've seen about like, I would love if Bethesda would leave the character romancing to Bioware. (laughs) But Bioware is not making anything right now. (laughs) Bioware is not, but that's kind of the point is it's better to have nothing than to have whatever that was supposed to be (laughs) in Starfield. It's just like, we've, we've been exposed and given and provided these like really good nuanced characters and relations and arcs across games in like RPGs in space before in mass effect. Like it does it very well. And that was like a kid trying to make a mass effect romance storyline. And it doesn't help that like, while the graphics for Starfield look quite nice, the characters still have that sort of uncanny Valley facial animation in such a way that it's like you don't look human really there isn't that like nuanced facial animation especially after we've had games like you know the last of us and last of us part two where it's it's effectively like a actual dramatic story being told not only through the voice acting but also like the cinematography and the facial capture and stuff like that and you just see these sort of more robotic Bethesda characters trying to do the same thing, and it just falls very flat. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be an indicator of, like, is there, are there going to be a lot of shallow, not even relationships that are romantic, but, like, is there going to be a lot of shadow, shallow interactions with characters in this game where <clears throat> you're going to, like, go and talk to somebody about, like, a ship or something, and it's just, it's still, it's it's just still going to be very, like, older Bethesda like it's still going to be very like Fallout 4 like have we come further than Fallout 4 because Fallout 4 introduced the uh like the, the voiceovers for the first time for your character you you the you the protagonist having like a fully voiced character um I wonder if like we're still going to be because Fallout 4 is almost 10 years old now like are we still there because Fallout 76 didn't really give them much practice with that because the relationships with the characters and the uh, conversations with the characters definitely improved as they added characters to the game, but it definitely wasn't, you know, super in depth or anything like that. They definitely had your RPG mechanics, your speech, you know, speech check or this and that, but um, it was definitely very like sort of shallow and robotic, like you're saying. And so uh, if I had one concern out of the show, it's that is like, is this very much going to be like, well, time for another smuggling run. Good job, Captain. Well, you time for another smuggling run. You know, is that is that the is that the type of interactions that we're going to have with a lot of these characters, or is it going to be a bit? Is it going to advance a bit? I've heard another settlement needs help. I'll mark it on your map. Yeah, like like that, but times ten because we're in space now. So, is there going to be like a smuggler thing? Is there going to then be yeah. like uh, what do you call it? like a just like a transport one where you're like moving the mail or the the packages back and forth legally? Or there's like a mining one. Like, is that is that going to be a big part of the game? Like, hopefully not. But I really do like what they're what they decided to do with the 
visuals of the game. <clears throat> they called it uh, NASA Punk because they wanted a more realistic looking idea of space travel and ship design and um, sci-fi, uh, the aspect of, of it all. Um, but I think that makes it look boring. You know what I mean? Mm, I see what like, you're they, saying, but I disagree. Well, one of the complaints they're getting is like they keep showing you this barren wasteland planet that they land on all the time where mm. it's just rocks. And it's like, OK, that's realistic because, you know, um, three of the four, you know, terrestrial uh, uh, bodies in, in our solar system are just rocks. Yeah. You know, um, so you're just saying like the fact that you have this creative media uh, medium to show <clears throat> what other planets could look like and you've chosen rock planet yeah it's interesting that they didn't really show off a lot of More other bombastic things stuff. even just like a, a complete a planet that's full of forests or you know just something else it was a bit bizarre i wonder if they're trying to save that for like a release trailer yeah because if there's a thousand of these suckers mm -hmm. you would expect some diversity right yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but I don't know. We'll have to wait. What, what'll be interesting about that is like, is it harder to make a planet like that? And what I mean by that is, so something like a no man's sky, procedurally generated, obviously, because there's God knows how many planets in that game, and so the environments definitely have their own feel. Where one planet kind of feels pretty hostile. It's kind of gray. It's kind of shitty. There's lots of enemies around. The weather's bad. Uh, there's sort of prickly plants everywhere. So it definitely gives off a vibe in comparison to, say, like a really nice and bright pink planet, which has pink water and maybe some green water. And it's all, you know, bright colors. It's always sunny. It's super nice there. There's uh, alien outposts around and they're friendly and it's a definitely a different vibe. But the uh, what might suffer is something like a jungle planet, like a dense jungle planet, which I have yet to see in No Man's Sky. But a dense jungle planet in a Bethesda game, like, would you need to handcraft the whole thing? Because you wouldn't just want to have, you know, flat land, maybe a few hills and then have trees all over the place. Like you're going to have to have like trees that are you know, going over the hills and they're kind of drooping down. And then you're going to have caves. You're going to have streams to make it look like a proper jungle. I wonder if those more dense planets would almost have to be handcrafted uh, i might be i might be uh, underestimating the the power of procedural generation uh, but is that a is that a component of it where a lot of the places we are going to go are going to be more barren because even if you decide hey i'd like to build a an outpost here well how big of a pain in the ass is that going to be yeah you know is it is it like holy christ like i got to move these rocks i got to move this hill like i don't even know if we could terraform like can you move this can you move that like, I, I, you know, I need this oil. It's in the jungle, but there's trees everywhere and some of them aren't removable. Like, this is no longer fun. This is now a pain in the ass. Like, how do I get a ship down here? How do I get down here? Where do I land? I imagine clearing land will probably be a major feature that it'll either be something that you can, like, pay to have done or just as soon as you go to place, like, a section, one of the modular sections of a base, it'll just, whatever it collides with, it'll just delete. I hope so, yeah. I hope that. I hope that is true. Um, but it, it, it is, it is a good question. Like how, yes, these, these planets are procedural. How diverse are they going to be? 
Uh, we did see, you know, a rock one. We did see different, um, different types of suns or whatever they said that give you different types of lighting. Like that's pretty cool. There's real time shadows based on, you know, where the sun is and how bright the sun is and where, how the planet's spinning and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but like, like certainly there is like possibly a little bit of a concern there where it's like, are we going to have rivers? Like, are we going to have nicely laid out streams or is it just going to be like river? And it's just a straight river. Like, how is that stuff going to play out? Um, remains to be seen because in other Bethesda games, like Skyrim's one that, that comes to mind. Although I think he only did this once. I think you and I have definitely talked about this before, Tim, where Todd Howard was showing off Skyrim and he shows off one of the the very first dungeons. And he says, you know, maybe sometimes you can find a, a natural path that'll lead you out. And it was a stream that was uh, trickling through the, the cave. And if you did indeed follow that when the game came out, uh, you would exit the cave. But that was the only cave that I ever remember seeing that in. I don't remember oh. seeing that anywhere else <laughs> And he, so, and that was clearly like a handmade, you know, like little tool. Or, so, or did you just not need to use the stream as much as you thought you would? Like, were, there, there were probably streams in other caves, but most people just run through the cave until they find their way out. They're not like, I should follow the stream to get out of here. No, but I, I like, you might be right. Like, there, like I didn't need the the stream. I just kind of followed it because. They mentioned it in the in the conference. I wanted to try it, but I don't recall ever really seeing other streams. But to be fair, I don't remember many of the dungeons in that game at this point. It's been their, a number of years. Their cave networks weren't that, you know, confusing. No. I could find my way out. <laughs> I mean, when well, you've got a map, like a local map that you can follow. Yeah, it's <laughs> not hard to find your way out. Yeah, it's usually fine. Like unless it's one of those. I mean, the Bethesda or the uh, the Oblivion local map uh, or no. The Fallout 3 local map on that pit boy, if there was multiple elevations, got to be a bit of a well bit of a in map. The, in Oblivion too, for sure. Yeah. But uh I mean in, in this this game, hopefully it's 3D or something and it'll be better. But that's another question too, is we've seen so we've seen uh unnatural exploration where we land on a planet and we go to a facility, and the, obviously the facility is synthetic, it's man-made. And so we're like, you know, attacking the humans there, the smugglers, the pirates, whatever they are. But we haven't seen like cave networks. The only natural exploration we've seen is on the surface. Are there going to be cave networks? Are there going to be tunnels? That type of stuff also kind of remains to be seen. Like, is this game going to have dungeon diving or are these locations going to be rather shallow? That Ultimately, I think that that's my concern is like we've already mentioned, like the shallowness with the characters. It's it's just that like the, this game is very much built to be, you know, play who you want to be. You can be a you can be a, a, a crazy, like loyal, militaristic captain. You can be a smuggler, a pirate. You can steal other people's ships. You can blow them up. So you can be like different degrees of pirate, whether you want to kill everybody, whether you want to take their ships instead. Um, there's all kinds of stuff to do. But how shallow is all of this is the one thing that does remain to be seen. And I'm not like. I'm definitely not like worried about that. I would say that they're probably going to be deep enough, but man, um, <clears throat> Todd Howard brought up a cool scenario that happened to him in the interview with uh, IGN. He was talking about how like there was like, he saw some pirates land or something and thought he would like sneak on board their ship and like take them out. Right. And when he got on the ship, the ship took off. Oh. <laughs> and now he's in space in a pirate, you know, ship somewhere. And he's now had to figure out how to get back to like his own ship or whatever. I just thought that was awesome. That is cool. I like how the creator was like, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild for the creator to be shocked. Yeah. (laughs) 
Or it's just like a system that he didn't perhaps like work on too much. Yeah. And like he knew it was like a thing, but he didn't know how it worked necessarily. And so then it sort of organically happened to him in playtesting. And he was like, okay, this is a really cool scenario to happen. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. So I definitely think they uh, they sold me on it because the last time they showed off a trailer, um, back when it had the original release date, it looked pretty dull. Yeah. Um, but now just showing all the options and, and things you can do, I'm pretty excited. I don't expect those Thousand Worlds to be terribly interesting. They were saying like, oh, some have like outposts and some have more resources and stuff. So depending on what you need to do, you'll go to that planet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are, you know, several worlds. Uh, New Atlantis looked uh, looks pretty cool. It looks like an awesome city. Um, they yeah, said it looks they had way to design freaking Diamond City in Fallout Four. <laughs> man, oh man! <laughs> they said they had to design a bunch of like custom art and and and, and objects and stuff uh, just for that city alone. So that's pretty cool. And then on the bug side, um, they did say that if this game came out today, it would have fewer bugs than uh, Skyrim or um, Fallout 4. So hopefully that's true. Although I wonder I if people... they mean like relative to how much coding they did <laughs> or like X yeah. number of bugs because I feel like it it's relative to how much work they did. It's it's relative to dialogue uh, options. Oh, I gotta <laughs> do that one again. Hang on. <laughs> Alright, well that there you go. Have it. I think um, I pre-ordered the uh, the big boy edition there. What's it called? Constellation edition. <laughs> the big boy. I did that too. Yeah. I wasn't going to because it's like I don't have any bearing on whether I like Starfield yet. Obviously, it's not like a franchise. But I remember and I still remember not having the the clock pit boy from Fallout 3. And so it's like I I didn't want to regret that again. So I definitely bought this big edition. And then worst case, I'll just sell it at cost if I don't like it. That's fine. What's, what's crazy about this one, though, is that it comes with an actual, you know, quote unquote, smartwatch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That you can apparently connect to your phone and receive like notifications or something like that. You it said is. that you didn't want to get it because you weren't going to buy the collector's edition of a brand new IP. It, that, that's exactly what happened was like Ryan sent the link and I sat there for like 10 minutes looking at it. And I was like, fuck, like if I really like this game, I'm going to regret this moment. And it's going to be easy to sell it at cost. Like if I don't like the game, I'm just going to be like. Hey, I have this literally for the same price as I bought it. Does anyone does anyone want this? Someone will definitely go for that. Oh yeah, because this was this is. I wonder what it's going for on eBay already. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And like I, I'm buying it with the intention of keeping it, but if I don't like the game, I'll just whatever. I'll just flip it for same. All right, so that was the conference. I love how everyone's opinion on Xbox completely flipped around, <laughs> complete one eighty. You know, everyone's like, oh, my God, Redfall's taking down Microsoft. They're going to die. Is Xbox shutting down? Is Xbox shutting down right now? Yeah. And then they have this conference. Everyone's like, holy crap, is Xbox awesome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. That that increased their Xbox Series X supply. Yeah. Bill Spencer yeah. came out and just talking about that. Uh, so, Matt, here in Canada, the uh, Starfield Collectors uh, Constellation Edition uh, was what? 400 bucks? Yeah. Uh, on eBay, it's going for 595 Here's a listing for six forty eight. So yeah, you definitely could make a profit if you needed to. Well, I'll just flip it for like it's. I'll just flip it for what I paid. I don't care. Like maybe with delivery if I have to pay for the courier. But yeah. All right. 
that's it for the conference. Uh, we're going to move on to what we're playing. Tim, tell us what you're playing. Uh, yeah, like I said before, I uh, started playing like a Dragon Ishin, which is the remake of the originally Japan exclusive uh, Samurai Yakuza game based in the uh, Meishi period, which is after the Edo period, which is a particularly like interesting period in, in Japanese history. I think it's in like the 1300s or the 1400s, where mm-hmm. sort of the Industrial Revolution is coming to Japan. Um, so. That's cool. You yeah, so you have like um access to firearms and things like that. So you're a samurai, but you've got your different uh your battle stances in the same way that you've got your different styles of combat in, in previous Yakuza games. So you've got either your kind of brawler style, which is hand-to-hand combat, you've got your swordsman style, which is obviously with your single katana, you have uh gunman style, which is just with your uh pistol, and then you've got wild dancer, which is pistol in one hand, sword in the other hand. Uh, which is funny that uh, we saw that with Ishin and then in this same year, did it come out this year or was it last year? Either way, within the span of a year, uh, we saw that same kind of ability in uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor um, with the pistol in one hand and lightsaber in the other. <laughs> nice. But um, it's uh, it's really good. Like it's the it's the old game remade in the modern Dragon Engine that, that's their more, most recent uh, like uh, graphical engine and uh, if you have played any of the Yakuza games and the remakes after Yakuza 0 so Kiwami which was the remake of 1 or Kiwami 2 which was the remake of 2 or Yakuza 6 which was uh, the uh, the first game that had that was done in the Dragon Engine I believe or uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon also known as Yakuza 7 which is the one that had Ichiban Kasuga that we were talking about before that washed up naked on a beach <laughs> um it's uh it's not a a canonical uh game like it's a spin-off title in the same way that like yakuza dead souls um which was a ps3 game where it was like a zombie survival game in the in the city uh that the games most of the games take place in kamarocho um it's a spin-off where it's not canonical obviously zombies didn't actually attack kamarocho in the story of yakuza games um, but this is different in that it's a different time period. And so they're using the same models of characters. Like you still got Kiryu, Majima, Saijima, uh, Akiyama, um, characters from six, characters from seven, um, characters from Yakuza Zero are in it, uh, like the character models and stuff. But they're not the characters. Like the main character is not Kiryu, it's Sakamoto Ryoma. And, you know, Majima is not Majima. He's uh, this like EOA guy. Um, so they're they're different characters, but largely their personalities are very same, uh, very similar to their uh, Yakuza game counterparts. Um, but it's it's really awesome. It's it's a very beautiful looking game. Uh, they do a really good job graphically with uh, with making these cities feel very alive, even though it's in like the the you know older Meishi period, um, and the it's very like old stock traditional style Japanese houses and the cities aren't super big and massive but they still jam pack it with content in the same way that they do with the um with the mainline yakuza games and uh it's got that classic silliness in the side missions and uh really dark main story um i was i've said a couple of times as i've been streaming it like they would introduce a character in the main story uh who is like a character model of somebody who's like a pretty main character in like Yakuza 1 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, damn, like it's that guy. And then I'm like, oh, man, wouldn't it be wild if they introduced this dude? 
they give him a name and they just like kill him off right away. And then that literally happened in that cutscene. <laughs> they like bring in this guy who's a major character in one of the games just to have you kill him right away. And uh, so it's it's kind of funny. And I feel like they they had a lot of fun doing that. Just being like, hey, the fans will recognize this character and he's gone. Like just just because they can. Right. Like it's a spinoff. They don't intend to have like multiple entries in the story in it. It's in its own, you know, kind of self-contained thing. So they're just having fun with it. And um, it was actually a game that back when the Kiwami games were coming out and being remade, Sega released all oh, uh, real Gagataku studios released like surveys after the games released saying like, how did you like the game? What did you think of the new, the new engine? And like, are there any other games that you would like to see remade in the dragon engine? And a couple of the options were uh, the, uh, the spin-off titles like Ishin, Gaiden, and uh, and other things. And so now, obviously, the games that are on the horizon for the for that studio are uh, Infinite Wealth, which is the next game in the uh, Ichiban Kasuga story, and now Like a Dragon, Gaiden, the man who raised his name, which is the next in the uh, Kiryu Kazuma storyline. So uh they've got a lot going on their plate they're like going back they're remaking old games and they're modernizing them and stuff like that so it's just it's uh if if you're a fan of the studio and the games and stuff which i think a lot of people are now like there seemed to be a bit of a renaissance for the series in the last couple of years where a lot of people started like gravitating towards the series and playing the games and stuff and appreciating them for what they are because it was pretty niche i think when when you first introduced it to me, Matt, when we were playing Yakuza 4. Um, I didn't know shit about any of the games. And you were like, oh, yeah, I've got this game where it's like kind of like like a narrative kind of GTA, but it's in it's in Japan and all the kind of like Shenmue, I think I said, too. Right? It's like Shenmue. It's much closer to Shenmue than it is to GTA. Um, you're like, it's Shenmue because it's narrative driven, but there's also like lots of side content and all the characters are like really weird and there's like way too much story. <laughs> like I play this game once every three weeks and I can never remember what I did the last time that I played it. And so I just kind of nod and nod my head and go along with the cutscenes as they're as they're playing out. I don't remember anybody's name. I don't know who did what to who for how much. And <laughs> yeah, but um, it's just one of those things where like you start playing it a little bit and you just see how ridiculous it is. And you're like, Okay, I'm 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 kind of hooked. This is uh this is really weird and interesting. Um so yeah, we will we will see what else comes of of this game, but I'm I'm really enjoying it and uh I think if you're like a big uh like a Japanese history nut, there's a lot there for you to kind of sink your teeth into because even as you're watching cutscenes and they're like referencing things like the different cities and like locations, the different districts of the cities certain organizations a lot of it is based in like genuine like japanese history so you can like click the right stick and it'll like have a word in whatever blurb a character said that it'll capitalize and if you click the right stick it pops up a pop-up window that sort of explains what that is or gives you more context for it which is a really interesting feature and i kind of wish more games did that like between this game and Tears of the Kingdom, where when you're talking with characters in Tears of the Kingdom, you can hit Y to pull up the log and it shows you the entire like list of everything that's been said in that conversation. And then now this game where you can sort of in context, click a button and see what the hell they're talking about. If you don't know what Ido is or Kyo or the Tosa, Tosa area or like 
like uh, any a lot of the time the other characters or organizations and things like that. It's very uh, it's very helpful, <laughs> and like it's totally you know if you don't care you can just skip through it. So it's just one of those things that helps serve to help flesh out the world because obviously if you understand what people are talking about and there's a lot of talking in these games, uh, you can enjoy the story better. But uh, big fan. I wasn't I wasn't sure that I was going to be like I knew that it was going to be good because I like this this uh, these types of games in the studio. I actually kind of heard mixed reviews about Ishin, and I don't really remember why people were critical of it, but I have no complaints. Like it's the the only thing really is that like there's a lot of reputations to grind. Like a lot of the side stories involve characters or restaurants to visit or like animals like cats and dogs and things that you can like develop a relationship with as you keep the hell? having interactions with them and stuff. Um, so there's a lot like there, it might be, you could say that maybe there's too much content in the game because <laughs> a lot of it is like, it's very typical JRPG and that there's so much to do. And it's very like, sometimes it's very repetitive to like run down the street. You see a dog, he's whimpering cause he's hungry. You can give him some food. He perks up your relationship meter goes up like 10%. And then you go off and do other things. You come back there's that dog again. He's whimpering because he's hungry. You give him something to eat. It goes up another 10%. He looks happy now. Okay. And you sort of have to like, there's a lot of these recurring tasks that you can kind of, you can't just sit there and just keep doing it. You have to leave for a bit and come back. Um, But that's pretty typical for these games. So all I can say is if you like the other Yakuza games and you're a fan of Japanese history, you, you will love this game. It's a, it's pretty ridiculous. I was going to ask who the newer characters replace because you said Ishin is a PS3 era game, and so mm-hmm. and it includes some of the six and seven, yeah, uh, characters. Like who did they who did they replace? Who got kicked from the re, from the remake? Yeah, I think they just uh, they did say that uh, when Ishin was coming out that certain characters were being replaced by more modern character models. I think they were just sort of more kind of generic looking characters that sort of filled in the gaps in the main story, and now that okay. they have a lot of main characters from a lot of games. They were like, well, we may as well, we already have these models. We may as well put them in. Yeah, it makes sense. So, because rather than like remaking all these old characters in sort of a more modern way, because that's kind of the main thing with, with these games, even in the modern engine is that like the main characters are very like high fidelity, highly detailed models. And the side characters will be like very generic even still. Um, so I think it would have been like weird to see like these highly detailed models for like some of the Shinsengumi captains. And then other ones are just kind of like generic Japanese samurai looking man. Number four <laughs> would have been a bit strange, but it's funny how they have these like really highly detailed character models from people who are main characters in the other games that are introduced and then killed off in the next five minutes. Oh, they should, have, they should have left the PS2 model. So you just have all these like oh, super nice looking models and there's just a PS2 generic character they didn't they didn't replace in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Hamill's Majima from the Aww. PS2 Yakuza game. <laughs> but um aside from that, just kind of some Diablo 4. I've been uh, really enjoying playing the druid character that I've got. Uh I made a rogue initially. And now that I sort of understand more about the game, I might go back to that character and change up a little bit of the play style. Um, and then I made a sorcerer too, just to kind of play around with the uh, 
with the more like magic y uh burst damage caster characters. And um going from the druid who's like really tanky to the sorcerer is like night and day. Like the sorcerer is so squishy. Um but uh yeah we've been playing it a little bit together. I've been playing with some other friends. I played a little bit solo. Um it looks quite nice. I uh, I think you said Ryan when we were playing it on Wednesday night that uh originally you saw it the sort of gameplay they showed off for Diablo 4 and you're like oh it doesn't look that good. And then once now that we have it in our hands and we're playing it, you go back and look at Diablo 3 and it like has not aged well at all. Looks like a child's toy. Yeah. <laughs> like you're looking at little action figures right Yeah. Around. Yeah, that's crazy. Whereas 4 is much more that like dark grittiness that 2 had uh just in a modern way and um that's that's pretty much it i haven't really been paying much attention to the story so i can't really <laughs> comment on that uh it's fun it's a great game to just sort of like shut your brain off and just mindlessly destroy a bunch of just quick groups of enemies a la kind of the like dynasty warriors games um just don't stand in the don't stand in the in the aoes and you're good yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's been my week matt me what's been your week uh, so I have not done any more cyberpunk. I did uh, a little what? bit of uh, Dead Island 2. I beat that again. Uh, completed that um, for the second time and going through a bunch of the side stuff. <laughs> so we beat, we beat it on PlayStation with Aaron uh, and it was our, it was pretty good. And we didn't really do too much of the side stuff. And now I'm going through with Alex and we're uh, slowly getting through a whole bunch of the side activities. Uh, we're not a huge fan of the lost and found missions where you have to go through the notes um, because I'm not going to read the whole note. And it like highlights the little fact of the little this sentence that you need we have guides. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's sort of like if the game's already guiding me, I may as well just <clears throat> like look up a guide and just do it. But um Having fun with that, getting some legendaries. The last thing I got was uh, some like crazy assault rifle from the military base. That was that was a legendary, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so that, that that's been fun. Uh, other than that, I've been doing some Diablo Four with you guys. Uh, that's been fun. I uh, we so we we did the stream, and then I created a new character. I created a rogue, and Aaron and I just played for a couple hours, and I'm already like level sixteen or something like that, which is pretty pretty awesome. So I uh, w- I was doing a combination of knives and bow, and I actually switched all to bow. I respect, and I'm all bow now. I'm gonna try that out. Uh, I might look up a build because I've never done a ranged character, sort of like a sorceress or something, with uh, Diablo before. So I don't know whether I should be using traps as well or whatever. Because the rogue is kind of like the assassin from D2, and I used to play like a trap sin, is what they called him, uh, which was obviously an assassin that throws traps around. Those like electric traps. So uh, I'm gonna can try. Do in four. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I like I saw them in, them in the in the tree, but I just don't know whether I should be mixing them with another. You know, whether I should be using knives with them, whether I should be using bow. Um, so I'm just gonna look up a build just to see kind of where the meta is at a little bit. I'm not gonna get super into the meta as long as I'm able to play and like fight and do the missions. Like I'm fine with that, but uh, just to sort of get my bearings with it a bit. Um, but other than that, uh, oh, Divinity Two as well. Christ, um, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm in the third act. Uh, the last thing I did was complete like a pretty major part of the third act. So I'm getting pretty far in it. Uh, cause I, I looked up just how many acts there are. There's four acts. And I think that second one is probably the most dense. The first one's pretty dense for the size of it, the geographical size of it. 
But that second one, like I definitely left some things undone because it just got to the point where I'd go back there and just get one shotted and I've done virtually all the other side missions that I could that I could do. So it's like, well, like what else do I do? I guess I could look up a list of the quests and just like try to find them. But I've done like 40 quests or something on this island. So uh, I looked up what level I should be and it was like you should be level 14 or something like that. I'm oh, maybe 16 or 18 or something. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm leaving this. I'm leaving this place. Um, I'm in act three games. The game I was telling Tim the other day, that game just gives me a headache you know, straight up. Uh, it's just, it, fuck it. It's so wild. Like I'll be in a location and it'll be, it'll just be, you know, a city or a town or a ruin or like, doesn't matter what it is. Just I'm in a location and I like complete it or, you know, it's just a trading hub or something. And then all of a sudden, like some quests like ask for something. And I'm like, well, where the fuck would that be? And in this particular case, it was like some altar. And I'm looking around. I don't know what the hell it is. And I walk over and it's like, oh, there's like the last elf tiger or something. And I'm like, okay. So I have like the, the talking with animals thing. So I go talk with it. It gives me a whole crap little lore. And then it tried to kill me. And I was like, what the fuck? So I kill this thing, which is the last tiger, which is, you know, now that tiger species is extinct, pr- presumably. And then I'm like, well, oh, my God. And the, like, the altar is just right behind it. The altar was not marked. I had no friggin' idea where it was. We had another incident where, like, we go into the center of this, like, tree. And I'm being vague to try to give less spoilers. But I go in the center of this, like, some tree. And I come out. And this person comes running up to us and gives us a whole bunch of lore. And it's like, well, don't do what the, the tree wanted you to do. Do what I want you to do. And I'm like, I don't have the the background information to know who's doing what. Like, I was told by a tree to go here. And you're telling me that the tree is some ancient being. It's like, wh- am I supposed to go to a library and like seek the ancient text to understand the background information of this tree to then make a moral decision? Because it's a moral decision of what to do, but I don't know what the hell is going on. And it's sort of like the person's like the tree's evil, but it's always been there. And I'm like, is it evil? Because it didn't try to kill me. And it's like. Game gives me a headache. It's big and uh, it's crazy. <laughs> And I'm scared. I'm terrified for the for the rest of Baldur's Gate. Like, holy crap, is that game going to be dense? Ridiculous. Like, I, I I can't even fathom the glitches they had when doing like QA, where it's like, well, I like went over here and bought a necklace, and now none of the altars work, and it's because some necklaces need to be eaten by wizards at certain periods, and sometimes the wizard will go to an altar. Like, just a crazy web of nonsense. <laughs> it's like I can't even imagine coding and organizing through so hats off to them uh, i am enjoying the game like it sounds like i'm complaining i am enjoying the game i just think that it's ridiculous that there's that this much content in it and i think i think that's been it a little bit of overwatch a little bit of Fortnite. new season's pretty cool i like the new location i'm leveling up pretty quickly in it uh I mean, it's a little bit weird that so it's, they added like a jungle area. So all the people are sort of jungle themed like they got, you know, safari outfits on and stuff like that. And, um, you know, some characters that aren't jungle themed as well, like like usual, but they all sort of fit. They are sort of like look like they're part of the same season. And at the end, you just have Optimus Prime, which doesn't fit the aesthetic at all. Not at all. But uh, I mean, I want that Optimus Prime, so I, I'm sure I'll get it. And uh, that's been my week. Um, mostly just for me was Diablo. I think ah. I, uh, I finished Jedi survivor. 
that's an awesome game. I recommend people play it. Um, hopefully, uh, it runs better by the time people do play it. Oh, <laughs> because if that game ran perfectly, it'd be like an amazing game. It's just incredible, you know. How, uh, how bad was your performance? <clears throat> so it never, I never had issues where it mattered, which was good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. In in areas where I was just walking around an open world, it had like hiccups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the frame rate would really kind of drop down. But during intense like action scenes and like boss battles and stuff, I never really had any issues. And it crashed on me maybe three or four times. Um, that's a, that's about the extent of the the, the major issues I noticed. Um, so I know they're still working on it. Hopefully they can even smooth out all that stuff. But mostly Diablo and uh, Overwatch new season started. Um, I'm still playing it. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what Overwatch's future is going to be like, but I'll, I'll still be there. Even Adriano shelved it. Yeah, he shelved right. Overwatch. He, t- he said that to me yesterday, and I didn't believe him. That is uh, that is fucked. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So that's it for me. Tim, yeah, do, do your thing. I'm still here. <laughs> At first, I thought you were asking me like what I was playing again, which I was no. like, "Are we are we just in this perpetual circle uh, oh forever?" It's like I've been playing what, what and... Yeah, and it's actually pretty great because it's like a spin-off game with the. So, um, yeah, I've been like I said, uh, playing a lot of of uh, Yakuza, lots of uh, or Ishin rather, lots of uh, Diablo. On, Wait, no, uh, stop on stream. And no, genuinely, like on stream. And uh, so, if that's your thing, if you have any interest in those titles at all, uh, <laughs> you can watch along with the uh, with the with the community at uh, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff there. And then we've been playing some Diablo on uh, Wednesday nights on the Day One Patch Media channel as well. Twitch.tv slash Day One Patch Media, playing that Diablo. Hell yeah. Where Diablo is hardly mentioned. Playing this game, that, this game should have been called Lilith. Yeah, but no one would have like it. Wouldn't have the same marketing impact <laughs> yeah, if, know, the, if, if the series was called Lilith the whole time. Maybe, but <laughs> I would have bought it. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.